0: You're listening to the Lean Six Sigma for Good podcast. We help you learn how Lean and Six Sigma concepts can be applied to nonprofits, NGOs, and not-for-profit organizations. Visit us at LeanSixSigmaForGood.com. I had an opportunity to talk to the City of Fort Collins. I spoke with Jamie Gaskell and Pete Iingo. City of Fort Collins was named our 2020 Excellence in Sustainable Development Award winners. We're gonna walk through the project that they submitted for the award. It's based around the Income Assistance Qualification Program and how they apply continuous improvement methods to it. Jamie is the Senior Supervisor and Program Manager with the City of Fort Collins Utilities Department, and she leads a team that develops, implements, and evaluates the Utilities Affordability Program, or UAP. She also supervises a group of program specialists that implement programs that help residential and business customers reduce their utility costs and impacts by conserving energy and water. She has also worked in other industries such as transportation, public health and outdoor retail, implementing behavior change and education programs. She holds a bachelor's degree and a master's degree from Colorado State University and has 16 years of experience teaching, managing staff and volunteers and implementing programs. Pete is the senior community engagement specialist for Fort Collins Utilities he manages Utilities' team that is responsible for ensuring the organization's public engagement and workforce culture strategy implementation meets or exceeds leadership and community expectations. This work includes advising project managers and leadership on effective stakeholder engagement planning, activity process design and facilitation, feedback collection, plan execution and evaluation. He is also responsible for managing several key stakeholder relationships, utilities, community sponsorship programs, event, and volunteer coordination processes, and provides facilitation services. He contributes to the leadership of several citywide efforts, including climate action and employee engagement strategy development and execution. You can find their contact information in the show notes for this video and podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the Excellence in Sustainable Development Award, which is provided by the IISE Sustainable Development Division, you can go to sustainableengineer.org. Well, hello, everybody. This is Brian Hurley. I'm the Sustainable Development Division President this year with IISC, and we have uh, the pleasure to talk with um, Jamie and Peter from the City of Fort Collins. They were the 2020 Excellence in Sustainable Development Award winners this year, and so I asked them to present some of the work they've been doing around process improvement, and um, especially in the Utilities Department. So I'll hand it over to
1: Pete and Jamie. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks for having us.
1: Great, thanks, Brian. Um, Good afternoon, all. My name is Pete Yango. I'm a Senior Community Engagement Specialist with the City of Fort Collins. Uh, More specifically, my position is nested in Fort Collins Utilities. Uh, We're a community-owned utility and we provide water wastewater storm water and electric utility services i'm joined by my talented colleague jamie Gaskill. she's a senior uh, supervisor of project management and she's been managing utilities programming uh, for over a year now and along with her team is responsible for several programs direction uh, evaluation and continuous improvement processes and so first off before I start getting into it too much further uh, I'd just like to thank IISE uh, for extending its 2020 Excellence in Sustainable Development Award to the City of Fort Collins uh, we're really excited uh, for this hard work uh, of so many to be recognized um, and also for the opportunity to share out um, we hope anybody watching can learn from our successes and challenges and and you're able to share back with your organization uh, and encourage conti- continuous improvement with your organization and programs. And so with that, a little bit about what we're going to do today. We'll be sharing our experiences of what we call the Income Qualified Assistance Program and the journey we're on. Uh, You'll hear us call it ICAP or IQAP as we move through the presentation. Um, And we'll be sharing about how we've taken this uh, program uh, from when it was a a tiny little pilot of 25 customers, uh, when it was time-consuming and clunky for customers and staff to administer admittedly. To the program it is today uh, where it's much more streamlined uh, for everybody involved and we've been able to help hundreds of customers save resources uh, through this program. But what I need to do before we get into specific improvements and processes related to this program, uh, I need to talk a little bit about what led us to receiving this award um, and backing up to some more foundational information about our organization. We certainly didn't do the work in a vacuum, right? Uh, years of focus on process improvement at the highest level of our organization is actually what created the environment for us to be uh, successful in in these process improvements you're going to hear about. And so I'll touch base about our organizational environment, um, some specifics about the program, uh, some early process improvements, And then I'll pass it to Jamie, who's been, really has been managing this um, and really focused on making improvements uh, throughout the implementation and management and regular assessment of the programming. All right, with that, let's dig in. So given this is an international audience, I wanted to spend just a few minutes grounding folks in uh, the community of Fort Collins. So we're a mid-sized city of about 170,000 people uh, located on the Front Range of northern Colorado, USA, uh, right where the mountains meet the plains. We're home to Colorado State University, and there's certainly no shortage of things to do here in Fort Collins. Uh, We're known for our outdoor activities and recreational opportunities, uh, several thriving industries, great beer, friendly people uh so much more and so you know it's home for me i love it here it's a great place to live work and play and and also visit so i encourage you to come visit sometime about an hour from rocky mountain national park and so this is an exceptional community and it has high expectations from its city government and as a city government we expect to deliver on those expectations and so continuous improvement is And has certainly been an important tool for us to do just that. In 2010, uh, we chose to take uh, a close look at ourselves by pursuing the Malcolm Baldridge National Quality Award. It's the United States government's highest presidential honor for performance excellence and the assessment framework used is recognized internationally as one of the best out there and so what happens is when you apply and are assessed for the award, Regardless of if you win or lose, you receive this detailed feedback report. And so after three rounds of assessment um, and use of this report to develop continuous improvement, uh, we, recognize, we were recognized in 2017 as a award recipient. And so receiving these awards is fun, right? But in the end, it's all about the journey and what we could learn. And uh, what we learned is uh, continuing to guide us. Through today, and so for example, something that stemmed from the Baldrige feedback was the establishment of a structured process improvement department that we call FC Lean. It's housed within our organization, and FC Lean's constantly training folks across our whole organization um, on how to take a close look at and improve its processes. And FCLE is absolutely loaded with resources and has some really talented professionals managing it and providing coaching uh, across our organization. You can see here a little bit of a closer look at that suite of services. And it's notable that the resources are designed to help you solve problems of all magnitudes. For example, you see Just Do It uh, down there on the bottom of the tri- uh, pyramid. Um, and these are typically quick wins that, um, that usually fall within your normal workflow. Uh, and you see all the way up top, we've got FC Lean projects. And those are long term, in depth process examinations and improvements. And so, what I'm going to talk about today is my journey using the Lean leaders. Um, process. I use that for the income-qualified assistance program improvements, uh, and it's somewhere in between. It's it's thorough, it's in depth, um, but it's definitely a commitment outside of your normal duties and, and tasks. And so this is this slide shows some specific processes I went through with the various components. Um, there are several classroom sessions to teach and practice. The techniques you'd end up using for your specific improvement, and the sessions are spread out enough where you can uh, simultaneously convene your your process improvement team and work on the project in real time. You see, it's about a three month spread. There are other benefits too to the Lean Leaders uh, process. Uh, there's one on one coaching with the process improvement professional, and there's lots of camaraderie and there's an opportunity to have a sounding board with a cohort of of co-workers that are also doing process improvement projects from their respective areas and so it's actually a great experience um, and i've got some relationships uh, that have really stemmed from that experience and are with me today okay so let's talk about the need a little bit Let's see, Um, the City of Fort Collins has about 70,000 customers. Um, About 8,000 of them are what we consider to be low income in our community. Um, That is earning less than 165% federal poverty poverty level. Um, And really the number is even greater when you factor in all of the students that we have in town that we don't always um, factor into that. Um, below poverty level number, and so as a utility, we believe that we have a, a particular and specific role in supporting our customers um, that fits within our charter and our mandate uh, in our organization and really that role is to focus on and provide resources related to administration funding, rates and efficiency and conservation programming. and so our strategy within that scope so to the right there has been to facilitate opportunities for people with payment assistance and efficiency upgrades both of these things help people reduce costs and efficiency work also helps us achieve our carbon reduction goals so we definitely focus on both and so we built out programming that puts That strategy into practice. And here it is. Here's our suite of programs. You can see uh, we focused on payment assistance um, and efficiency in different types of ways. There's two kinds of discounted rates that you see there uh, in the light blue. And we also offer emergency one time payment assistance in the dark blue. And because we have different types of customers with varying needs, um, we try to keep our. Overall offerings wide ranging. We also have two types of efficiency opportunities basic and deep retrofit opportunities. Okay, and there it is IQAP. You know, today it's a, a discount rate that's truly the cornerstone of our, our whole strategy. But back in 2018, when this process improvement journey began, and I went through this lean leaders process I've been sharing with you. Uh, it was hardly a program at all. Uh, city council had just codified it and we had done a small scale pilot. So we had a little bit of information and understanding to go by. Um, but that was it. Um, we had little experience on how to reach a broad demographic of people and to incorporate income qualifying components into programming. So we had a lot to learn there. Okay, so now you've heard about um, how we got to the point where we were ready to make improvements, right? This environment that was created in our organization, a little bit about the need in our community, and a little bit about our strategy to meet that need so far. And so now let's talk about when we ran IQAP through this lean leaders process. So the first thing that I needed to do uh, to get things moving was to select and recruit a team of people uh, to support this process improvement. And I don't think I could emphasize enough how critical this step really is. Uh, You want the team to be the right size, and you want it to be the right makeup. Um, Fortunately, I already had a little bit of uh, information to go by. I had the problem statement started. Uh, which was nice. Um, but we we definitely need to land on an improvement that was better uh, for both the customer and better for staff administering the program. And so I decided to bring in people from the community to represent the community or a customer perspective. Um, some folks from our partner organizations who had a stake in the process and delivering the the process and product to people. Uh, some people from utilities so internal who are responsible for a lot of the work and the processes themselves and also some colleagues from outside of utilities but within the city uh, in our social sustainability department uh, who you know certainly bring their own unique perspective uh, when it comes to how to help folks that are uh, lower income and so Here's a look at some of the reps that we had on our team and the different groups that they came from. Um, And so at this point in the process, the initial pieces were in place. And really, it was time to start to get down to it and do some of the good work. And this slide is a reference to the problem statement that we started it with before I engaged the team. Team helped vet this out further. Uh, Keep it in mind, Um, we're going to get Back to this in just a minute and you can see how it was built upon so the next it was time to engage this group uh, in pretty specific process that I was learning through lean leaders and so first thing first we identified our scope uh, so we knew what to map out for current state Uh, then we actually mapped out the current state of the process together once it was mapped we took a critical eye to it and completed uh, what we call a value stream analysis and that's where you see uh, all the pink stickies and colored dots really coming into play and this value stream analysis was was quite revealing. It allowed us to identify all kinds of waste um, and It really allowed us to hone in on where we thought the problem areas were and allowed us to come up with a more thorough problem statement. And also to develop measurable metrics for the improvement. And so the red circles there are where we really decided to focus, um, because we thought that's where most of the time uh, was being lost to the inefficiencies um, by the customer and by staff. And so by really honing in here, uh, we figured out that the application itself was was a problem and a good candidate for process improvements. So here's the the pro the problem statement that we developed with the team, and you can see it's more specific now. This bolded section is what we added uh, after doing the value stream analysis. But you see, the premise doesn't change with the problem statement, so we were on the right tra- track to start. Also through the analysis, we came up with our metrics. Um, In the pilot, we we only received applications back from about 10% of the potential applicant pool. And of those 10%, 40% were not complete, uh, or they required some sort of rework. And our goal was to have at least 75% of applications come back, and for those to come back complete while um, also reducing the overall rework of staff in the background um, below 10% or by 10%. You know, and admittedly, we thought these were ambitious goals, but we thought we might be able to do it, Uh, and if we didn't do it um, and we came close or maybe we did do it, it really would represent a pretty significant process improvement. So we we were going for it a little bit. so moving further along in this process this very prescribed specific process I'm sharing with you um, you can see we keep drilling down further and further uh, this specific part of the process um, we thought was uh, this very specific part of the process was to anal- uh, analyze the the problem that we thought existed um, we came up with the problem related to the value stream work we did and we dove in to really dissect and come up with what root causes were to that problem and so we we thought deeply about what was getting in the way for customers and submitting a complete application and we used the five whys process Um, and so for each and every cause that we came up with we asked why why is that a cause and we kept asking why until we got to what we thought was a root cause. And then we documented that into this fishbone diagram. You can see all the causes are represented in black, and the root causes we landed on represented in blue. So we then used those root causes as the basis for some how might we statements. And you can see these how might we statements with the ideas that were generated on the right right hand side of the slide Uh, it's worth noting that before we did this as a group we actually educated ourselves using the behavioral insights East framework Uh, this is a human-centered design framework East standing for easy attractive social and timely and it was based on this framework Um, and We use this question to guide us. How can we make the application process easy, attractive, social, and timely, right? Really simple, um, but really hyper-focused on the customer. Uh, I think it's also notable, uh, at this point in the process, we left things wide open um, so that ideas can fly. Uh, Any idea was welcome, no matter how wild and crazy. Um, Everybody agreed to defer judgment on ideas and this was really to promote creativity and to come up with a a really great range of ideas at this point in the process okay and so once we move to the next step which was to prioritize solutions uh, that's when we really start to scrutinize ideas for feasibility and so left it wide open to generate solutions wild and crazy is good Then we honed in a little further. We used an impact effort matrix to do this, putting ideas in the quadrant we felt most appropriate for each one. And what we noticed as we went through this process is that many of the ideas ended up on the left-hand side, either in the Just Do It or um, lower left or upper left in the Easy Wins. Um, And there was a bunch that ended up on the upper right, which are more time consuming projects. And so we had this nice spread of ideas and different efforts and impacts represented. And so the document ended up being something that we actually continued to reference for quite some time. Um, And we've been able to focus on other improvement opportunities that that were uh, that emerged from this lean leaders process I was going through um, for years to come. Okay, so we were at the point where, based on that impact effort matrix and what we were identifying in there, we were ready to actually take some action. We had lots of ideas how to improve the application, and and. It became clear that one of the best ways for us to get at um, the the down and dirty how to ch- make changes to the application was to do a form fest. And that's where everybody takes a section of the application in a room and rewrites it completely using what was learned in the prioritization as well as the East framework. And so what you're looking at now is our before application. It was three pages long it asked for lots of information and even had a section that was to be completed by the landlord if the customer was a renter which no surprise turned out to be a barrier um, we realized some of the information as we went through this process really wasn't necessary for us to even ask for Um, we weren't using it um, or it was a big barrier for people and we decided to Make changes based on that, and this is what we ended up with. We're looking at our after application, the one that we launched, and we were able to boil it down from three pages to one third page, which is represented in the um, within the orange circle there. And because we had so much space now. So much space to work with we're able to include the application in Spanish as part of the same document um, and also provide a detachable education piece that had important dates and information on conservation that people could you know put on their fridge or hang on to and reference as they needed to the document was perforated uh, had a glue edge and a prepaid stamp so people all they had to do was uh, cut it fill it out, glue it together, and pop it in the mail. And, you know, these applications really were like night and day. They were so different from one another. And the results showed it. Uh, We saw our application submittal jump from 10% to over 64% and saw our rework um, on incomplete applications go from 40% to just 5% and so we accomplished our goal which was to make this thing more accessible to the customer um, and also to reduce the back end time needed to process uh, these applications it was a huge win uh, for us and we celebrated it and um, and with that um, i just want to say thanks for uh, allowing me to share and if there's more specific information that you'd like i know that i blew through this in a way, uh, or questions on any of the slides, you're welcome to reach me. Uh, Contact information is going to be at the end of the presentation. And so with that, I'm going to pass along to my colleague, Jamie, who's going to share more about how things have gone uh, with the program since then, since 2018, and and the continuous implementation improvements that she's putting in place. Jamie?
2: Awesome. Thanks so much, Pete. So Pete, if you want to go ahead and advance the slide. As Pete mentioned at the beginning, I have been in my role with utilities for about a year now. So I started um, in September of 2019, and I want to thank Pete and the team and and also the organization in general for this commitment to continuous improvement because it's allowed us to um, continue to evaluate our utilities affordability programs and make sure that they truly are customer focused and helping us meet our goals. So I'm gonna talk about a number of the things that we've done since Pete and the team improved the, the application process for customers. Um, and I'll talk about how the IQAP program and those improvements fit into the overall picture and just some some other things that have happened in the last year that have impacted our offerings. So when I came on to um, the utilities team about a year ago, I established a utilities affordability advisory team, kind of similar to the team that that Pete had had, um, established early in the process of looking at improving the IQAP or developing the IQAP to begin with and this is a a really a cross-departmental and cross-city team to really try to make sure that we have the right people at the table to continuously look at what is it that we're doing with these offerings and how are we making sure that they meet customer expectations and then I'm going to talk a little bit about how we do pre and post program surveys with IQAP specifically a billing analysis that we conducted just a few months ago, and some in-depth surveys that we have in development right now. And then I also want to note one other thing that happened kind of simultaneous to um, me coming on board. The city in general, as you could see, is committed to continuous improvement. And one of the things that the city decided to look at in 2019 was how our low-income programs across the city um, how well they were reaching the intended audience and serving um, the low-income portion of our community. And the results from that in-depth analysis um, have, have influenced our utilities affordability programs and will continue to influence them into the future. And I'm going to talk about how that has impacted our, our policies and things moving forward here in the coming slides. So as Pete talked about, we made the they made the application process for IQAP um, easier, and in addition to that, we also implemented continuous enrollment. So there is a a concentrated application period for participants of IQAP. And they can apply any time of the year. So long as they're a participant in LEAP, which is the low income energy assistant program that's run by the state of Colorado, so long as they're a participant in LEAP, then they can qualify for our reduced rate program. So with continuous enrollment and making that application process as simple as possible, we exceeded our enrollment forecast for 2019 and reached only almost 70% of eligible customers. Um, they ended up on a reduced rate. So what that materialized into is an average of about 700 customers a month who were on that program and they saved about $196 a year. That means about 23% savings um, on their bills for the year, which is which is definitely significant. So how did we we reach all of these people besides making it easier to apply? In 2018 and 19, we did extensive outreach to try to to tell people about this offering um, and to connect them to LEAP as well, because since LEAP is the qualifier for our income qualified program, we wanted to make sure that people knew about both. So you can see this whole list of things that we did, but the thing that I want to point out um, here that was new in 2019 that we tried. Again, thinking about continuous improvement and really listening to what people needed, we heard that, hey, you know what? Your application is easy, but the Leap application is kind of hard. So we actually offered application assistance for our customers to help them get enrolled in Leap in the first place. So we went to events where we could expect to see participants who might qualify for Leap, and we worked with neighborhoods that had um you know, members that would be interested in, in also signing up for LEAP and taking advantage of those programs. And we actually help people fill out those applications. And this is something that we've continued into 2020. So Pete was talking early on about our overall strategy for reducing what we call the utility burden. So the utility burden is the percentage of someone's income that they have to spend to keep their utilities going. For low-income people, that percentage is higher. So what we're trying to do with these offerings is to reduce utility burden. We do that through offering reduced rates. We do it through offering conservation programs, the ones that Pete was talking about, where we have them um, get retrofits in their homes to make their homes more efficient. And we do it through behavior change, by trying to educate people on ways to, to use less to begin with. So, as part of the IQAP program, we connected people to these resources through online tools and and leveraging our existing programs like the conservation programs that we have. And we connected people to these through a monthly newsletter. And it was called, it used to be called IQAP Insights, now it's called Utilities Insights. We changed the name of it to make it more broad-reaching so that it can go to all of our income-qualified customers. We saw huge success with this. We have a 45% open rate on the email version of this newsletter. That's compared to an industry average of 21%. We have a 10.4% click rate, again, compared to 8.5% click rate for industry average. So we, we've we seen success with the, um, the Insights newsletter, which continues to be a great tool for us to connect with our low-income customers.
0: If you like this topic, please check out Lean Six Sigma for Good, Lessons from the Gemba. Volume one is released and available through Amazon. We will soon have an audible version coming out early 2020 and we're working on volume two as we speak. Volume one has eight chapters written by different authors who share their experiences applying Lean and Six Sigma to not-for-profit organizations. All proceeds from the sales of the book series will go to the nonprofits selected by the authors. Thanks for your support.
2: Part of IQAP is also asking the customers how how is this program working for them so right from the beginning we input or we instituted pre and post program surveys so when somebody signs up with iqap they receive a pre-program survey where they're asked a, a number of questions related to utility use and their utility burden and then afterwards they receive the same um a a follow-up survey and what we found in the i'm going to dig into the actual data here in just a second but what we found in general is that people are seeing positive benefits from this they're feeling less utility related stress um, and they're starting to change their their behaviors around utility use one of the questions that we ask our customers is how much do you worry about your utility bill And you can see in the first year of the program that there was a significant increase in the number of people who were saying, um, or a decrease, excuse me, in the number of people reporting that they worry about their bill every month or more often than not. So 12.5% fewer respondents said, hey, I I don't worry about it. I don't worry about it as much. A 9% increase in those saying, I don't worry about it at all. So it was, uh, what we're seeing is that people aren't having to think about it quite as much by being on our reduced rate. Another question that we ask people is how much effort do you put into saving energy and water? And from the pre-program to post-program, we saw a 10% increase in those folks who are saying, I do a lot, I do a lot to try to save energy and water, and we like to think that this is potentially because of connecting folks to those simple tips and tricks that they can do by um, our newsletter and all of our other programming. Some of the things that we mention in our newsletter are listed here. So we ask people, we say, which of these things did you actually try? So you can see there's a whole slew of things, everything from closing your windows and blinds to doing the, what you see on the left-hand side of this screen, which is significant. There were about 35% of the people, a little over 35% of the people who took our um, post-program survey said that they actually did a home efficiency assessment with the Larimer County Conservation Corps. That's one of our, our basic retrofit programs that we have available to our customers. So a significant portion of our customers actually went through the time and energy to have those folks come in and do an assessment at their home and then do some of those basic retrofits. To help them use less and make their homes more comfortable we also did a much more in-depth analysis to that is re- relies simply on the data the iqap program was designed to not only give people reduced rates but to make sure that they were trying to use less energy and water to begin with we hired a company to do a, an actual billing analysis and we did this in april Of this year and what we did is we looked at people who were on the IQAP program before and after they went on the rate and then we looked at how did their use change over the first year of the program and what we found was that their water use stayed about the same but their energy use actually increased a little bit so you can see from this this um, chart here that It's about a 5% increase on average for people who are on IQAP. Now the data don't always tell us exactly what we want to hear, but in this case we're starting to ask ourselves the question of why. Why is it that people who are on this reduced rate actually ended up using a little bit more energy than before? So we're in the process of working with the same consulting group to formulate an in-depth survey that will help us really get at those answers. We want to know what it is um, that with this reduced rate that has... um, Encourage people to use more, of course, if something costs less, you're likely to, to use more. But, but are there other reasons? Is it is it that maybe now their homes are actually more comfortable than before and they were living in uh, uncomfortable conditions before? Um, or what other, what other reasons are there? We don't know yet. So we're in the process of form you, forming an in-depth survey that we're actually going to pay people to take and we're going to try to use what we learn from that in-depth survey to help form the future of the program design and at the end of the day what we want is it to be a human um you know human focused design so we're going to make sure that what we learn in the survey um can can help inform the future So I want to zoom out just a little bit and talk about how this IQAP um, program and all of this continuous improvement fits into the big picture. So in 2019, as Pete mentioned before, we were reaching about 2,000 of the 8,000 potential households who could be part of our utilities affordability programs. So this is this um, gap has really uh, been our focus moving forward into 2020. Using our continuous improvement kind of um, thinking, we set a goal to increase our reach by about 25%. And we use a three-pronged approach to reach that goal. And I want to put a big asterisk on all of this and note that all of this was formed before COVID. um, And I will be talking a little bit about how COVID has impacted this in just a couple of slides. But there are three things that we decided to do. One was we created a roadshow presentation that we would take to agencies who are most likely to work with uh, community members who are low income. The second approach was to do more of that direct customer engagement so we could figure out um, what it is that we need to do to make sure that our programs are, are meeting customers' needs. And then the third thing was looking at policy changes. And I want to spend just a second talking about this because it definitely relates to continuous improvement. Pete and the team did an amazing job of making the application for IQAP just as easy as it could ever be. However, it's still an application and it's still a barrier for people to get involved and engaged with this, with our IQAP program. So before COVID hit, we were actually on the city council agenda ready to propose an auto enroll option for all people who are um, enrolled in LEAP and a Fort Collins utilities customer. So we were going to propose that COVID ha- hit. We had to pull it off the agenda, but it is something we're still considering. Um, proposing to council in 2021. So those UAP roadshows that I mentioned, we set a goal before COVID, long before COVID, to reach uh, about 20 agencies. And the idea behind reaching out to the agencies that work directly with the low income population is that we could establish a partnership where we could learn what is it that we need to do to make sure that we're meeting the needs of the customers in the community. And also we can educate the folks who are working most with the low income population um, on how to connect them with our, our current offerings. This has been a really key step in creating a longer term partnership approach to our continuous improvement so that we constantly have a pulse on the community and how well we're doing at reaching their needs. And this has also allowed us to provide some key resources to the agencies that can then connect the folks to our our customers, to our programs. I couldn't do this presentation without mentioning how COVID has impacted our utilities affordability programs. Um, I think it's important to note that because of the work that has been done to um, create programs that could be agile and respond to the needs of the community, we've been able to respond pretty well to our low-income community that is in need more than ever before because of COVID. So here's a few things that did happen and kind of how we've responded. Um, When COVID hit, we did have to suspend our in-home conservation program. So those ones where we're going in and doing the retrofits um, because we couldn't send contractors into the homes. We're now looking at ways that we can, can continue those, continue doing some of those in-home things. We are still doing emergency in-home stuff. So for example, if somebody's furnace goes out, um, that that could be fixed. But the rest of them we've had to put on hold and are figuring out how to get back going again. We also have suspended shutoffs. The utility suspended shutoffs since March which will likely continue at least through the first of the year. And this is, again, to help make sure that our community members have the essential services they need at a time um, that they need them more than ever. And then this also allowed us an opportunity to do something that we hadn't done quite the same way before. We assembled a committee of staff across the city and trying to look at how do we make sure that our most vulnerable community members had access to the information they needed to weather the covid storm we use data to help us decide who and how to reach out And what we ended up doing was whittling it down to 13 neighborhoods in our community that we delivered, we hand-delivered flyers with critical information related to COVID and help for COVID to 1,300 households. And we hand-delivered those flyers in printed form because we didn't want anybody who didn't have internet or phone or something like that to not have access to that information Um, and we plan to replicate that effort into the future we also did a few things like extend our payment plans so that our um, anyone who's who's late on paying bills could have some extra time to pay those bills and then leap our state level program extended their enrollment period And gave additional benefits to folks and that's resulted in a seven and a half increase in enrollment over last year which we think is going to translate into increased enrollments into iqap this year we are currently in our iqap application enrollment push right now um, and we're we're expecting to see more participants than ever before i also want to um note that our emergency assistance or our payment assistance that's part of our utilities affordability programs is um higher than the, the the need for that is higher than ever and this is really important because it is influencing how we're moving forward with utilities affordability programs into the future we've seen a 300 percent increase in the amount of dollars that are going out the door helping people with payment assistance and 162% increase in the number of households that are receiving that assistance. You can see on this this payment assistance distributed chart that uh, it's just gone up over this year, and in August alone, the um, $68,000 that went out the door is more than half of the most we've ever given out in a single year. So if that just gives you kind of a scale for, for the need in our community, um, and it's definitely influencing how we move forward with with UAP in the future. So when we're looking forward, we're, we're thinking about not only about COVID and the increased need in our community, but we're also thinking about the fact that Port Collins is an awesome place to live. Like Pete talked about before, we have thousands of people moving here every single year. Affordable housing is harder than ever for folks and the current economic situation is really tough on people and so we're considering all of those factors in our 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 plan to move forward and how are we responding to that we are continuing our ongoing evaluation of our utilities affordability program offerings um, we're fostering those partnerships that I talked about we have long-term partnerships with different agencies, and we have new partnerships with agencies that we have developed through those roadshows that we've been offering. And then any program changes that we do really have that human-centered design focus to them. So we're keeping the customer and the end user of those programs at the heart of anything that we're doing. And then I mentioned that we did that citywide evaluation of our low-income offerings, and I'm excited to tell you that from that came a recommendation to hire a person to help coordinate our programs across the city. And we have a current offer on the table for City Council to consider to to actually fund that position. Um, and fingers crossed that that ends up going through. But either way, it's really helped us to have a more citywide focus on how we're serving our low-income population and then last and probably the most important is the focus on equity everything that we do um, in our utilities affordability programs and largely at the city has equity at the heart of it we're really looking at is everything that we're we're doing with our program offerings making sure that people have an, an equal opportunity to truly live their best lives With that, I want to say thank you again to IISE for the recognition of the City of Fort Collins and the City of Fort Collins Utilities Programs. And I wanted to echo what Pete said about if you would like to connect with either of us about our offerings or about our improvement processes, we'd encourage you to reach out and get in touch. And just want to say thanks so much for joining us here today.
0: Thanks, Pete Jamie. This is uh, great really good work I do have a couple questions I was curious about the what, what started the Malcolm Baldrige award effort in you said 2010 how did that get started because I think a lot of agencies might be thinking about that initial effort looks like that kind of got the ball rolling a little bit
1: yeah Brian to your question of like how do we get started on the path towards the uh, achieving the the Malcolm Baldrige award I think it starts with our city leadership's desire and interest and commitment to um, continuous improvement. You know, I, th- I think it was in 2005 when we established our current um, mission, vision, values, and you know, the the word innovation actually lives um, in our our mission and vision statements. And so, not our vision, our mission statement. So. Um, that type of creative thinking and continuous improvement are, are at the heart of uh, who we are at City of Fort Collins and how we think we can be responsive to our community and provide the best services possible to our community.
0: The second question I had related to the Lean Leaders Program. When you did your event, were you the main facilitator or did you have someone helping you through that effort? or how did, how did that as that first event work as um, through that program? Did someone help kind of walk you through that, I guess?
1: When I was engaging with my team and conducting the various process improvement-related exercises.
0: Yeah, the actual, like the Lean event that you showed some photos from, were you the primary facilitator, or did you have, like, a coach or someone you were co-facilitating? Can you just kind of explain maybe... Uh, going through that program, how the facilitation was done, yeah. in your role.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so part of the the teachings um, was, was related to managing a, a team and facilitating these processes. And so yes, I was the primary facilitator. Um, it was up to me to have people in the room that could assist with process if I felt it necessary. And so I did. I had people that were focused on helping um, with documentation and, and people that could help translate documents afterwards as well. Yeah, it's all part of the Lean Leaders uh, process and, and kind of ritual, of what, if, if you will, that you go through in order to um, be successful. But, but what wasn't clear with my presentation probably, based on your question, is that that was a series Uh, meetings we probably met for a total of 10 or 12 hours um, with the team Uh, that first one that you saw some pictures from with the white butcher block paper you know that was a couple hours and then I processed data we came back and we moved through and we we focused on the various pieces all the way through till we came up with those solutions and um, conducted the form fest and, and got our application over to our marketing department to, to format and finalize. And so it was definitely not just one meeting. Um, for me, it was probably a 20, I'd say 20 to 25-hour commitment. And for the team, it was probably a 12-hour um, in-person meeting commitment
0: yeah that does help that makes that makes more sense it's not like a one big three or five day event all at once i had a question too about the are you connected with any of the other activities going on at the state or city levels with lean efforts like denver's peak academy or i think there's some state of colorado activity happening or there's a colorado lean network that i, I went through some of the presentations recently that they had Are you you connected in with any of those efforts or partnered with them or share back and forth with any of those efforts?
1: You know, Denver Peak Academy was an influence on us as we developed FC Lean. Um, I actually went through the Denver Peak Academy Greenbelt training, which was an eight-hour training, Um, and since then I've been doing training. We've had a... Uh, FC Lean program internally, so I've been doing our own trainings. But that was right around when we hired two people to develop it internally. And and so those two process improvement professionals certainly are part of um, state, national, I'm not sure, international um, communities of practice to make sure that they're um, providing the best services possible to, to the City of Fort Collins organization.
0: Okay, great. Um, the only thing I had for Jamie, uh, I was just, I made a comment, but I like that you talked about some of the negative data or the kind of the opposite effect that you're hoping for where maybe the energy is going up now and talking about how looking at investigating that trying to figure out why that's happening. So I think that's really a mature uh, approach and mindset that, you know, organizations that are really uh, getting to this level of maturity in their Improvement are okay with bringing up. Hey, this isn't what we were hoping for, and what's going on? And let's not panic. We'll just study and find out what's happening. So, uh, thanks for sharing that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely um, not what we were hoping to hear or learn, but I think it's important to note, and also important to just you know make us ask the questions why, and and then really looking at. Is is this the right avenue for what we are trying to achieve in you know in our in our conservation efforts? And at the end of the, the day, hopefully, whatever answers we find out from asking the pro, the program participants will help inform the the future direction of all of our programming.
0: Yeah, and I think that kind of tying it back to sustainability piece, if if it actually creates better comfort for people, I mean, isn't that good for people and Lose a little energy here, but we gain comfort and security. You know, I think those are um, the big picture is really important to look at. So, and those are tough to to look at on individual metrics. You kind of have to balance all the metrics together. Which is tricky, but
2: yeah. And I I also I think that you're right. It's it's about comfort, and it, it might also even be about health. And mm-hmm. if we're looking at you know the the really big picture, um, you know, being able to To use utilities in a way that helps promote your best health is, is probably even most important and, and better for, for everyone. And so we need to, we need to consider the health impacts as well. And so we're trying to, um, by digging a little deeper, figure out, you know, what is the whole story? And, and then we can hopefully put that together in a way that, that really helps us to figure out our funding streams and, you know, all of the, all of the things that we need to do to make sure that we're giving people the essential services that they need to be healthy and truly live their best lives as well as, you know, meeting our conservation goals at the same time.
0: Yeah. The cost of an emergency room visit or, you know, having a medical condition because of, you know, this, but maybe the extra $5 or $10 a month may, combat that or prevent that, that's that's the right thing. And that's the type of investment you want to make then.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Well, great. Thank you so much. Uh, very informative. Um, great work. Keep it up. And, uh, again, congratulations on the award. And we'll get this published and shared around. And um, hopefully people will be free to reach out and follow up and ask additional questions. All right. Thank you so All much.
2: Right. Thanks, Brian. Really
0: appreciate it. Okay. Take care. Bye. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Are you interested in learning more about Lean and Six Sigma? Or are you looking to expand your existing skills to apply them to environmental impacts at your work or in the local community? Check out our free online course called Lean Six Sigma and the Environment on thinkific.com. We'll teach you about the Lean Forms of Waste and Waste Walks, which stands for water, air emissions, solid waste, toxins, and energy. We'll go over examples of reducing electricity and solid waste, teach you how to involve your facilities and environment safety and health personnel. We'll provide guidance on how to green your 5S and lean Kaizen events and many other tools specific to finding environmental opportunities. Learn more at lean6sigmaenvironment.org.